Uh, welcome to the Man on Second podcast on the Real Voices of the Game um, production network. Um, I'm Joe Frasaro. This is episode number 100 on the network and episode number 14 of Man on Second since joining the network. And um, as always, our mission here on the network is to raise the baseball IQs of our listeners. We certainly will do that today with a very special guest. And I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, we got Joe Espada, the bench coach of the reigning World Series champion Houston Astros. Joe has been kind enough to join us. But before we uh, we get into that interview, I'm going to bring in Dave D'Agostino, our producer. Uh, Dave will jump in with some questions as well. But Dave will catch up to speed with uh, with what's going on here at the network. And uh, Dave, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, I thought I heard you giggle when I played that music. That much. <laughs> I always do. It's all in good in good love. I, I I never know what sound you're going to come with, but that's a good one. So. Like my goal is to shock you. <laughs> I think I did that. I heard the giggles, and I didn't. I'm not deleting that either. So, <laughs> so to our just just a note uh, to our 9,000 faithful subscribers uh, spanning over 46 countries, we appreciate your support. We want to make sure that our programming here, our six podcasts remain ad-free, sponsor-free, and that we don't charge subscribers. So in saying that, if you love what Joe does, which I know you do based on the amount of followers he has, go to Pratheon.com and donate to Joe's show um, to help us continue to put these shows on and present you with the best possible material. We'll continue to stay ad-free, sponsorship-free, but please support the good men that do the good work to you guys to help build these better baseball IQs. And as Joe mentioned, you heard, we're being brought to you by the Real Voices of the Game Productions, maintaining our six shows along the way. And a lot of growth is going to happen in 2023. And Joe, spearheaded in part by the great work you've done with us. Oh, I appreciate that. And uh, and uh, this has been a lot of fun. And and um, let's jump right in and get uh, our listeners to hear Joe Espada. Uh, quickly, uh, some background. I've known Joe a long, long time. Uh, he's one of the, to me, he's one of the true unsung coaches in this sport. Uh, someday, I believe he will be a big league manager. We're certainly pushing for that. He's done pretty much everything else in the coaching ranks. Joe has been um, on the Astros staff since 2018. Uh, before that, he was with the Yankees. Uh, 2015 through 17 as third base coach. In 2014, Joe was special assistant to Yankees general manager Brian Cashman. And from 2010 to 13, Joe was on the Miami Marlins, well, Florida Marlins and then the Miami Marlins. Um, and Joe has been on those staffs. Um, Joe has uh, managed uh, what, Winter Bowl in Puerto Rico, I believe. Uh, he's been a hitting coach and an infield coordinator in the minor league level. Joe played minor league ball. Uh, truly one of the really, you know, to me, rising unstung stars in this sport. And we're happy, you know, it can can be that he has, you know, got a World Series ring now. And welcome, Joe Espada. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for having me, man. Looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah. Yeah, Joe, I want to kind of start off, um, you know, with one of our, a topic I find it's interesting as as teams kind of build. And you, you've seen it. You've been on rebuild, you know, type teams. You've been on a World Series championship team. A lot of people talk about culture. You know, we, we hear that word thrown around. And, you know, how do you define it? And what, do you, what does it mean to you? And then we'll talk about how it meant to the Astros, because clearly you guys got a championship culture there. Uh, you know what? That's a word that, like you said, Joe, it's been gets thrown around a lot, and and you could define it in different ways. I, I think for us, and and I'm just going to speak on the culture that we have in Houston. It is the ability to let everyone 
uh, who's involved in the process, let the voice being heard. Um, you know, you have to have, you need to have inclusion. You need to have collaboration. You need to have, uh, you know, people who are, who feel like they're part of this process because that's where all the great ideas come around. And we're able to put together a great team based on people's, you know, player development, you know, the process they, they have, you know, developing our player, our scouting department, you know, signing the right, the right player for us to develop and grow into our winning culture. So I think we have done a really fantastic job just bringing people from different backgrounds. Uh, everyone, uh, voices being heard, opinions have been heard. We take the best ideas and we put it in play and we bring it to our, to our players. We empower our players to also have a voice in our process. Uh, very important that they know that where we stand and we want to know where they stand. And that's how you keep that winning culture going from one year to another. So I have been very lucky and fortunate to be part of the Astros the last five years and, you know, going to three World Series and finally winning one. It's something that uh, we all, co- you know, all coaches will expire to do. Um, and we finally got a chance, I finally got a chance to do it, but it takes a lot of work, a lot of dedication and, 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 you know, the process is never easy, but it's worth fighting for because the, you know, the ultimate outcome is just to win a World Series. And, and you guys, in, in terms of culture and clubhouse presence, added someone who I, I believe is one of the, the really, you know, ranks at the top, you know, tier of players in, in Jose Abreu, a big free agent signing for you. Obviously a veteran, you know, and a former MVP in, in Chicago. You, you add him to your, you know, veteran leader, all, all the chucks off a lot of boxes. And on the flip side, you lose a future Hall of Famer in Justin Verlander who, who signs with the Mets. But, you know, just talk about, uh, you know, Abreu and what you think Verlander's lasting impression is on the on the organization. You know what, Joe, you brought up a good point there on, you know, we, we lose like a Verlander and, and we bring someone like Abreu and um, something that we have done really well the last couple of years is, you know, every time we lose a star player, we have someone there who have been able to step up and do the job. You know, the case, we can make the case for, you know, Carlos Correa leaving. Somebody like Jeremy Pena comes in, steps up and, and does the job. Uh, in the past, you know, Garrett Cole leaves and then someone like, you know, Frambe Valdez take over, takes over that spot and steps up and, and becomes, uh, becomes an all-star. So I think that that passing the baton mentality, not only performing and being the best players on the field, but also they they don't you know they they they're uh, you know they're always willing to pass their 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 ideas and the knowledge and help each other out because that's how we consistency that's consistently we win every single year is we you know that unselfishness in our approach to everything that we do. Is what has allowed us to to consistently, you know, consistently win every single year. Uh, when we talk about Abreu, just just he's just a winning player, right? Um, you know, when we go after our free agents, we we do our research and we want to bring the the right quality of people into our, the organization. Someone that can that can come in and and will fit right in in, in our in our clubhouse and our culture. And we do the same thing. During the uh, during the July during, during the tread deadline, we're trying to acquire players who are going to not only help us be the best team on the field, but also to show that you know you know our fan base that we care about how we portray ourselves to the community, and which is also important. So we are very 
you know, lucky to have uh, sign up Breu, and I'm looking forward to having him for the next three years and help us win another championship. Yeah, uh, obviously, you getting players of that ilk, and obviously, you know, bringing them in and and not missing a beat. Uh, I remember, you know, Jack McKeon used to always talk about you can win the World Series, but you still have to make changes. You Absolutely. can't you can't bring the replica team out. But before we jump into the next one, um, Dave has a question for you, Joe. How much of that? culture that you guys spend time on? Because I believe, too, culture trumps strategy every single time. How much of that weighed into the success of the rookie Pena? Two, two MVPs in the postseason, a gold glove. I mean, he took, he took everybody else by storm. Probably not you guys, though. How much of culture weighed into his success? Uh, a, a lot. And, you know, one thing that uh, the last couple of years, uh, Jeremy Pena, uh, he's been around our team during the postseason, you know, everything starting in 2020. Uh, the COVID year where uh, we had a taxi squad. So during the postseason, we brought some of those kids to be around our clubhouse during the postseason. So he was able to see how we went about our business, right? How we prepared, how Carlos went about our business. Carlos, on selfishness, just to share his thoughts with, with Jeremy, knowing that potentially he could be the choice of, uh, you know, of the future because Carlos did not, you know, was going to go into free agency. So Carlos knew that at some point he needed to, prepare this player, prepare Jeremy to be the next shortstop, potentially be the next shortstop for, for the Houston Astros. So once he did, we did it again in 2021. Jeremy Pena was around during the postseason because we still had a taxi squad. So Jeremy, you know, he bathed in champagne with us. Like he knows what it he, what he tastes like. He, he knew exactly what it looked like. He knew what it took to get ready. So when he joined us this past season, he knew what the culture is like. He knew what the expectations were. Um, uh, he knew that this is a veteran club. I don't need to be the hero. I just need to be myself. I'm not here to replace Carlos Correa because he knew that's with really tough shoes to fill in. But he said, you know what? I'm going to be myself. Um, I'm, I'm just going to play good defense. I'm going to be the best player I can be because this veteran group is going to take that load of our shoulder. And that's what our players did. They're like, be you, play good defense, give us quality at bats, and we're here to have you back. And we do that with our young pitching, with our young position players. They're up and coming. That's, we do a really good job in spring training, embracing the new guys to come in so they feel comfortable when they get to the major league level that, you know what, I belong. I'm one of them. Um, I know I can be part of this team moving forward. Joe, you know, twice you mentioned the word, and I want to ask you about unselfishness. And when you have a, a championship team, and you have, you know, MVPs like you have or, or certainly Rookie of the Years or, or MVP caliber players, whether it's Altuve or Bregman or, or, or whoever it might be. Um, how do you maintain an unselfishness? You know what, Joe? Um, I think, you know, with the years that I've been here, a question that we have been really good at answering is, is the question why. It's our purpose Everything we do has a purpose. You know, when we go in the cage, in the video room, when we take ground balls, we have a purpose. We answer the question, why is it that we take up, you know, we throw ourselves on the field every single year and we fight for a championship? It's because, number one, this group love each other. They, they, they respect each other. Um, we love our city of Houston, our fans. Um, we doing it for the right reason. And once you do that, you find yourself just playing hard for others instead of just your brand. And we have done a really good job of defining that, right? 
Um, and that trickles down through the whole entire organization. When you walk in our clubhouses, we have superstars, right? And and yes, they care about their brand, and yes, they 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 like their followers, right? And they and their likes on the Instagram. Yeah, that's that's important for their brand, but is what is more important for them is for us to win major league games because that's what at the end of the day helps their brand and helps them who they are. And 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 we have done a fantastic job doing that. So and that's where I spend. And our coaches spend most of our time throughout our day just making sure that we're doing things for the right reason, that we are getting our work in and our quality of our work is it's the quality over quantity every single day on that we step on the field. And and that's kind of, that's who we are. And, you know, my job every single year is just making sure that, you know, there is zero tolerance for complacency, right? with zero tolerance for arrogance. Like we are the champions, but if we want to continue to be the champions, there's certain standards that we have created for the way we, the, for the, the way we work that we must follow if we want to win another championship. How much Joe of that uh, comes from the personality of Dusty Baker? A lot. You know, he sets the tone. Um, you know, he's got the right personality for the, for, for these group of players. Um, He's relaxed, he's calm, but he's also can can get on somebody's, you know, get somebody's ass if he has to. Um, you know, he's been he's been through through a lot in his career, both personally and uh, and on the field. So um, you know, he has all those experiences that uh, you know that you need to go through adversity through you know during a very difficult baseball season uh, with the ups and downs. You know, Dusty's been to, you know, no more has been to, you know, through ups and downs like Dusty Baker. Um, so um, the right leader for our, our group, and I've been uh, very lucky to be next to him the last three years and and uh, super excited that we were able to win a championship for him this past season. How much, Joe, do you think he felt? Because obviously the, what happened a few years ago, the, the scandal, and, and Dusty really did a good job deflecting and, and kind of keeping the players focused. It probably motivated guys internally, I'm sure, but to, to take a, a negative and turn it into a positive. He did. Um, you know, he became our, you know, our bulletproof best in a way. Um, and he did, you know, he did a great job absorbing all those criticisms and, and um, you know, he took, he took all of them and, and he took all the bullets and, and the players were able to, you know, relax and, and play, uh, I, you know, the players, I did see um, uh, remorse from them when the scandal came out, you know, and uh, you know, I was on the other side when this happened in 17. So uh, I, I, once I learned about it, I, you know, conversations happens, right. And, and guys were, you know, it didn't feel right. Like they were really, you know, sorry for what they did. And Dusty was that person that they could lean on and bring, bring order and let's just, you know, let's put this behind us and let's just go back to playing baseball. And, uh, you know, lucky to have them around. And, um, you know, there's a reason why we continue to win and, 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 and Dusty deserves a lot of credit. How much Joe, as, as a coach, you're obviously taking a lot from everybody, but how much are you learning even, you know, just through osmosis with having Dusty there? A, a ton. Uh, you know, he, uh, one thing that Dusty does really well that he's not only there for the players but also for his coaches. Uh, you know, I enjoy uh, our 
our talks uh, during spring training after workouts when we sit in his office and he starts talking about the past, right? He's, his experiences with other players, the, the Barry Bonds, the Willie Mays, the Hank Aaron stories, right? Um, you know, his time is in the military. Like, he genuinely wants to share those experiences to, that, so we can learn from them, right? Kind of it, kind of mentoring you into your next stage of my career. Uh, that's that's what Dusty does. Uh, and and I have really value our conversation, which I really enjoy. Those are kind of it's part of my day sometimes, just sitting down there, just sitting with him and and just chit chatting and, and going about, you know, telling us telling stories and how we handle tough times during the you know the sixties and the seventies. You know, it's uh, it's it's great and uh, um, very very excited to be his bench coach the last four years. Yeah, yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, he's you know when you have he will be a Hall of Fame manager. <laughs> you know, there's there's no, no doubt. doubt. You no know, doubt. Uh, and you know, and speaking of which, we we know you know, you aspire to, to manage as well. You, you manage your, or excuse me, you had interviews for a couple of managerial jobs in the off season, Miami and, and with the White Sox, um, they opted to go in other directions. Uh, but what are you generally say, seeing in terms of what traits clubs might be looking for in a manager? You know what, uh, Joe? The, the the you know the few that I've done, uh, I'm starting to you know. There's got to be a, a there's a connection between the candidate and the front office, right? They're looking for certain qualities. Um, they're all looking for different things, uh, right? But there's got to be an initial connection, someone that they see that they could partner with um, to move things forward. Um, so you know they're looking for someone who you know, genuinely cares about winning and knows how to put together uh, a winning club, how to lead in the clubhouse, how to lead in the community, how to build that winning culture, how to work with player development and, and scouting and front office. These are all the things that they're looking for um, in a candidate. And some, you know, some, the processes are different than others. Uh, so, you know, I see all this as a learning experience. Uh, I haven't been able to you know, land that job yet, but I have a fantastic, I have a great job, which I love. And hopefully one day, um, if God allows me to be a manager, I will, will love to, will love to do that. And we'll love the opportunity to do it. Well, we're, we're pulling for you, you know, and, and, uh, you, like I said at the intro, I mean, you, you've coached, you've been an infield instructor, you've been a hitting instructor, you've, you've managed in Puerto Rico, uh, you've been part of the, the coaching staffs in the World Baseball Classic, and and obviously uh, now you know now bench coach of the the World Series champs. Um, I want to kind of get into because um, I don't think fans truly understand what the bench coach does, especially in spring training, and just how involved the bench coach is. You know, in putting together uh, the programs, the daily workouts, and so forth, and the scheduling. So, kind of take people through a couple of weeks from you know within a month or so. The Astros are going to be taking the field in spring training. What's a, what's your responsibility going to be like? And kind of give our listeners a feel for what what you do as spring training gets going. Uh, yeah, Joe. You know, um, is is there's a lot of moving parts in spring training, and 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 my job is to make sure that I provide a, a workplace for the players to come in and and get their work in and build them through uh build them for a for 162 season right um that's that's just that's my responsibility right uh, 
you know, we, I, I, every club is, is different. So spring training look different, uh, look different depending on the personnel and that you have in camp, for example, like we are a veteran club, right? Um, so I, we have played more games than any other team in the big leagues the last five years. So I, I need to make sure that I give uh, our players enough time to rest and recover in between workouts. So uh, efficiency for me is very important when I put together uh, major league camps, right? Uh, so this is how it goes. So I, I, I'll meet with Dusty. Um, you know, a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, and I said, Dusty, let's just prioritize the things that we need to work on in spring training, which are the areas that we need to focus on um, that we need to spend more time in camp. For example, uh, could be base running, could be infield defense, could be outfield defense, could be situational hitting. So I get a list from Dusty and I make sure that I prioritize those things within our workout. Um, and I, I reach out to some of the veteran players because, like I said earlier, empowering everyone in the process is the best way to accomplish our mission, right? And I tell the players, this is what we are trying to focus on during spring training. Yes, we do our fundamentals. Yes, we're going to take our ground balls. Pitchers throw their live BPs. Yes, we do all those things that every team does, but we will spend more time on base running. We might we want to spend more time using the high velocity machine to work on contact. We want to be tougher with two strikes. Those are things that you will see us doing differently that, that other teams will do because that's what we need. That's what our team needs. So I take all those things in consideration and I put all those on paper. Um, I'll talk to our pitching coaches, right? And I'll talk to our field coordinators and I'll make sure that we're all on the same page and put together a good two, two and a half workout plan uh daily during doing uh doing spring training um uh, uh things change as we go uh joe you you have covered a ton of these spring training those days are super long so i make sure that i take i, I you know I, I sit down with the doctors and the trainers to make sure that the guys are getting enough rest we're getting enough water um there's a ton of there's a ton of things that go on and and once the game starts so obviously i'm right there next to uh dusty helping him manage the game, helping it with substitution and, and, and so forth. So um, it's really busy six weeks of the season. Uh, so um, I, I, I get really excited because that's when you kind of build um, the team and, 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 and you kind of uh, put together are, are your goals and, and your vision and, and how you're going to, um, you know, change some things up, try to keep things, you know, uh, crisp for the guys, right? Because you don't want them to get, uh, you know, monotonous when it comes to our work. So uh, it's very, you know, I take creative ways to keep things uh, fun and uh, the guys have reacted really well to it uh, the last couple of years. So how is the, the World Baseball Classic going to affect? Because you're going to have a ton of players that are playing for different countries. So um, how do you kind of factor that in? And how do you kind of monitor, you know, players that are going to be out of your camp to just make sure they're getting some work in? And, um, you know, obviously it's preparation for opening day and they'll be playing, but they'll be out of your eyesight. Yeah. You know, Joe, uh, the WBC, um, uh, it's adds a little bit of different, it's a, it's a different challenge for us because, you know, those guys go into high gear competition in week two of camp, right? They, they, they'll, they'll be asked to, to go full force, uh, full speed. So what we do is we are very 
proactive in the front end, front end of uh, leading into camp right now. We have our guys building up our pitchers who potentially will be pitching. They already th- their throwing program. They're throwing off the mound. Players like Altuve, Pena, Tucker, Maldonado, who will be participating in the baseball classic. Uh, they're already doing their sprints. They're actually working out with me here in Houston. Um, so when March 7th comes around, their they're game speed, like their bodies at least in game mode where we could at least be in a position to prevent injuries. So we'll be very uh, uh, proactive in our first week of games. We'll give them some at-bats early on. We'll make sure that they're getting enough at-bats, maybe on the backfields to be ready for those uh, for those games. So in our pitchers, they'll be facing some extra live BPs during the, uh, the first uh, two weeks of camp, just building up towards uh, – towards uh, WBC, but we have quite a few guys. Uh, some of them are, are, are young starting pitching. And uh, so we are, you know, we've been very careful and very thoughtful how we prepare, prepare these guys for, for, for WBC. Joe, how do you think the, the new rules, how are you going to kind of bake that into everything? Because, you know, just for our listeners, the uh, the shifting, you can't overshift, although I think they're, you could put an outfielder on the infield. We may not just go there just now, but um, bigger, bigger bases and a pitch clock. Uh, those are kind of three biggies. How do you kind of, you know, anticipate, you know, working drills and seeing how the team looks? Because a little bit defensive st- uh, alignment strategies. Right, right. You know, kind of, kind of going back to a little bit of the old school ways of doing things, uh, having two guys on each side to the infield. Um, yes, like you mentioned, Joe, I could see some teams getting very uh, creative with the outfielders and kind of moving them in and shifting them in the outfield. So, there still be ways for us to, um, you know, be able to pack certain areas of the field where we know where the hitter mostly hits most of the balls. We have been very successful the last couple of years here in Houston. So um, I've always been a big fan of the shift. We, uh, like I said, we we have a good program in place where we are, we, we, we have been right on on a lot of uh, shifting ways to, you know, prevent balls to get in the outfield grass. So, um, but yeah, like spring training is going to be a little bit different, right? Cuts and relays will be a little bit different. The guys go back to um, their positions, and 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 that will look a little bit different. The bases uh, being a little bit bigger, uh, I could see you know you know base running our leads, our primary leads, secondary leads, how we hit the bases when we turn, you know when he when he, we we hit the corners uh, will be a little bit different. So we spend a little bit more time, um, you know, on that during the spring. Um, you know, also the time clock, throw overs to first base. You can only pick twice. Uh, so there are some changes to the game that we are going to all have to adjust. Um, we still are not very clear about the uh, how they're going to, uh, uh, you know, police this during the game. So I'm interested to hear that, who's going to uh, enforce them. So there's there's still questions about that. But uh, we'll, we'll adjust, and the players – what I'm getting, the early feedback I'm getting for the players, it's 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 good. So that's a good start when the players uh, are in. You know, it'd be easier for us to enforce them and and, and be able to implement them doing spring training and, and go and forward. A couple of mon- months ago, Joe, we had Nick Green. Obviously, we've had time with Nick down here in in South mm-hmm. Florida, um, and he does a great job on the Braves uh, broadcast crew. He was one of he was my guest, and he you know he was talking about the shift being a former infielder. And he said he just didn't like the mandatory can't, you know, have feet on the dirt. You know, just as, like he didn't mind. Okay, you want to keep me on this side of the infield, but don't make make me have to have my feet on the dirt. Right. 
Right. What's your kind of thoughts on that? And obviously the rules are the rules, but do you think there might be eventually some amendments to that or? Yeah. You know what? Because, because there's actually infielders right now, Joe, who are not, who are not on the shift who actually start on the grass, you know, the, you know, it's how, how deep in the grass you cannot be. That's the questions that we need to, we need to, those are the answers that we need. We're looking for, right? Is it 10 feet? Is it 15? Okay. Okay. Is it 15 feet where the second baseman in short right field? Okay. But what about the second baseman who start, you know, a foot and a half so they can, so they can cover more ground. What about those second basemen? You know, what about those shortstop whose feet are on the grass because they want to, you know, be able to get to more balls, right? Uh, are we going to force those guys to be on the dirt? Those are the questions that, that, that we need that we need to answer. Um, but I think it's going to be adjustments for, for everyone. And, um, um, you know, we'll see. Spring training, you know, the, the, first, the first couple of games, Joe, it's going to be really interesting because I really want to know how they're going to go about it. And I know that some players are going to be, uh, you know, is it, can I, can I cross second base after the pitch is thrown? Right. That's another yeah. question that we need, we need answer. Right. Because I've been asked those questions and I'm like, you know what? I really, I'm not sure, but I know when the pitcher is getting the sign, the pitch is being delivered. You have to be on the second base, like on the opposite side of the base. You can't be three men on one side. So uh, we'll see how that goes, Joe. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how it's going to play out. And another thing, I will tap on your expertise because you guys obviously you shift to where the data says. You know, if the data says guys hit the ball X amount of percent here, you're going to, like you say, overload. You're going to put people in those spots. Well, okay, let's say it's a little looser. Let's say it's more like the Perry Hill old uh, pegs, uh, however mm-hmm. many feet apart, and you're mm-hmm. you're kind of in a range. Do you anticipate pitching? Because we know a lot of pitchers pitched. To to induce contact to the shift, do you think the pitchers will? Because I think a lot of people just assume, oh, the, you know, a two ten hitter is going to become a two eighty hitter because every ground ball now is going to be a hit because he was robbed on the shift. And do you think that the pitchers will adjust their game plans a little bit to to induce a little bit different type of contact, or maybe they just go for the K right there? You know what, Joe? Uh, I could only you know speak to like our pitchers. We you know we. We want our we, we want them to pitch to their strength, right? I don't want our pitchers to be changing their strategy just because the way we are on our defense. We're going to adjust how our pitcher, our pitching staff to their game plans and how that hitter is going to react to our to the to our pitcher's game plan. That's how we're gonna land our defense. We use that data based on how that hitter, you know, reacts to pitchers who has similar stuff and that's how we go about it. So um I do see some more balls trickling through the infield. I do see that, um, you know, especially those left-hander hitters who hit the ball hard on the ground. Uh, so now I think, Joe, that range will play more than have done in the past. Like we always talk about range as being, you know, a great tool. But, in a in the last couple of years, now that you could have someone, you know, standing to your right or standing to your left and taking some of that, you know, helping you if your lack of range doesn't allow you to get to those balls. Now that guy's not going to be standing there anymore, Joe. Now you're going to have to accelerate and maintain that acceleration throughout that ground ball because there's no one there standing next to you to finish the play. So, you know, now how we evaluate infielders, range is going to be 
a skill that we'd be looking, we're going to be looking at it. We're going to be looking at more because we're going to, you know, expect certain ground balls that are, were, you know, were hitting right at someone because someone was standing there. Now that player needs to, is expected to be close to it, right? We need to be more precise on our, on our positioning now, you know? Uh, so we're working through all those details right now, Joe, but it's going to be fascinating and it's, and it's cool just to, you know, finding ways to be, you know, to be, to be getting more outs and preventing balls to get to the outfield guys. But I, I think the batting averages are going to go up. I think guys will be more inclined now to put more balls in play with two strikes because I think there's more opportunities for base sets out there now. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's 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 going to be fun. It's going to be and I and a lot of answers will or at least an indications I think we're going to see in spring and then it'll obviously evolve as the season goes on. Uh Joe Dave wants to jump in on one. He's got something for you. Sure. Joe, I've got two questions and both based on what you were saying. One is do you think the shift back to eliminating the shift will reemphasize the importance of the defensive second baseman? Um, where in some teams, not necessarily you guys, because Altuve is the best on both sides of the ball. But do you think teams will now look at the second baseman and the defensive mindset as opposed to just maybe more offense? And then to the all the input that these guys get nowadays, when I was a minor leaguer, we were lucky to have a stopwatch in the dugout. Now there's, <laughs> there's all sorts of input. How do you manage all that input? So two, two questions I guess I threw at you. The second yeah, you- yeah, you know what? Let's start with the input, and and there has to be a balanced approach on on information that you get, and 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 your instincts, and 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 the way what you feel as a player, right? Uh, I think we could we could we could uh, gra- we could drown our players with too much information, and I think we do a really good job in Houston balancing those things out. We want our players to give us feedback, and based on that feedback, we provide some information that I think it will be helpful. But we, we, we value what our players feel, uh, what they feel when they're in the body's back, what they see. I want my infielders to react and they use their instincts. If they see something that I'm not seeing in a dugout, and I know that the recommendation is for us to be on a shift. But if you see something that it's just is not there or that, that hitter is trying to do something, feel free. I, I empower my players to be to be that. I, I don't I don't. I don't. I'm not building robots here. We they're baseball players, and 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 we have done a really good job of of, of you know developing baseball players. And and on the on the second base on the second base question, uh, yes, I, I I think range plays now. Um, you know we you know we have always been so offense offense minded, putting a club together. That now, you know how you look at. At a player defensively, it really matters. You know, I think preventing run matters. Uh, I think it's been important the last couple of years. I think teams are really looking at that. But now, you know, the bench players, you know, adding that defensive piece there matters. You know, if you're going to give one of your star players an off day, carrying a defensive guy with a ton of range that could save you, that could save you a run or two that day, that really matters. So. I think clubs are going to start looking at their roster to be a little bit more creative how they put their their twenty six men roster together. Yeah, it's you know very well said, and it's going to be again, it's it's going to be fun to see how 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 much it changes. I do like the fact that it seems like it's going to bring a little more individuality back. You know, the personalities mm-hmm. of players, the creativity, and we have so many great athletes play in this sport. Um, we've talked a lot about what's ahead, Joe. I know. Uh, 
you guys are going to be turning the page pretty quickly, but I do want you to relive and revisit and enlighten our people the amazing experience of winning the World Series, <laughs> uh, you know, before, you know, uh, especially talk about the uh, the Christian Javier start in the World Series, which led to a, a no-hitter, which had to be thrilling as a coach, as you saw that un- unfold, uh, you know, just, just yeah. to that and, yeah. and just uh, holding up that trophy at the end of the night and, uh, you know, in, in the World Series. Yeah, I would love to. You know, I could, we could be talking about this all day, man. Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, you, it starts. It's Joe. You know, it starts in spring training. You know, everyone. You know, goal is to go to the World Series. Depending on, you know, if you're in a building process or you're, you know, you were a, a win or two away from reaching the playoffs. Like when you go to spring training, everyone has you know this vision of like you want to be the last team standing, right? And the amount of work that goes into it, the sacrifices, the players, the front office, all hands on deck from day one. You see how much work goes into putting a team together and getting them, getting all the players to buy in and 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 connect and and fight for one another, right? And then when you when you see that last out recorded, right? And 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 you and Man, going to that last inning, the energy I could remember now. You know, Alvarez hits that hits that home run, and you kind of see the Phillies like, oh my god! Like you could see their shoulders like drop, and we're like, okay, we are a few outs away from accomplishing our goal, right? Presley comes running in from the bullpen for a ninth inning. Tucker catching that out. You know, I, I still think about those moments because I, I I see how much work goes into it, and just being able to uh, to accomplish our goal, man, it's it's just awesome. Um, you know, the Christian Javier, you know, performance in 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 the World Series, uh, you know, the no hitter in the World Series. How like it's it's incredible how you see them preparing for from for, for that start, right? Like seeing our pitching coaches sitting down with our advanced team, putting a plan together. Now you get the individual aspect of things now okay now we got to carry out that plan right we believe in our plan we did everything we could to get the plan right on paper now it's execution right uh, joe one thing that I've, i i fascinated by walls when you know lucky enough to go to three world series but it's something that really catches my eye and it's this one thing is that um you know you have the two most talented teams left you know like it's a seven game series, right? Talent, the talent against talent, the best, the most talented team nationally against the most talented team in the American League, the two best teams. And Joe, once you reach the World Series, talent, it's it's just not it's not the question anymore. Now it's which team prepares better, and which team executes better. Which team is better at doing the small stuff, and which team. You know, makes the fewer mistakes is the team that wins. I like so. You know, going back to spring training, like working on the little stuff and being being good at those things because those are the things that help you win the World Series. So, just fascinated how about the process and how hard we work, and then when you get there, man, and you win it all, I'm like, man, I just I I just couldn't believe it. I'm like. Wow, this is electric watching Dusty Baker celebrating with Dusty after 20 plus years of him managing and finally getting a chance to do it. Man, a lot of emotions go through 
you know, through my head, through my body, just that whole entire week leading into, uh, you know, that championship game. It's awesome. It's a great experience, Joe. Great experience. No, it's no doubt. It's something that can never be taken away. And like you say, you know, th there'll be a bond that forever that 2022 um, Astro teams is going to have that forever, you know, that right. you, it's a historical, historical moment. And, and this has been a week ago on forever. Uh, Joe, I'm going to see you up in spring training, but I also, before uh, for our Astros fans out there, give a name or two that you're really looking forward to seeing in spring training that they may a uh, little under the radar top player or two. Oh, you know what? We do have a man, Joe, we have a couple of guys, you know, really looking forward to Hunter Brown. I know he came in the scene last year. But I think this kid's ready to take over uh, spotting our rotation and, and really help us some, win some games. You know, I, I think he can – he's a special uh, a special talent. And we re we're really looking forward to uh, seeing him turn the corner and help us uh, uh, stop a lot – you know, uh, take over some of this – some you know, some of those loss that, you know, we're losing JV. So getting Hunter Brown on the on the staff and in the rotation, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh on the position player side, we're going to have some competition behind the plate. You know, right now Maldonado is is, is our starting catcher, but we have a couple of young catchers in you know coming in: Corey Lee, Yarnier Diaz, uh, Cesar Salazar. So uh, we'll be ha we'll we'll have some uh, a battle behind the plate. So which I'm also looking forward to that competition. Oh, awesome, awesome, and it's well. I'm getting fired up, Joe. This is I'm, getting, yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to get out there and start. To you know, what, Joe. We, you know, this is you know, uh, I. You can never, you know, if you ever get tired of going to spring training and, um, you know, the smell of grass and 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 just saying hi to the people that you know that you involve yourself with spring training, the the people working at the stadium, the people, you know, the security guard. That's that's the interaction that I. I love the most about spring training, watching the guys just get after it and and um, listening to their off-season stories and all that kind of stuff is part of what keeps me, keeps me, you know, loving this game the way I love it. Oh yeah, that and Park Avenue barbecue. Up in, there you uh, go, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's my two, that's my two go spot coming down from San Lucie, the one right there of what is it, uh, Indian Town, Indian Town Road, right yeah. off of uh, ninety five. Yeah. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. When are you when uh, you going to get to Florida, Joe? Um, you know what? I'll be getting there on the twelfth. Uh, uh, I get. I like to get there a few, like three or four days before pitchers and catchers start. Um, we usually got a couple of guys that get there early, so I'll be there on the 12th, man. So looking okay, forward to saying hi, Joe. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to bring, uh, as, as we take Joe out of here, Dave's going to come in with maybe a final question and he's going to give some final uh, announcements and now, uh, then we'll get out of here after that. All right, buddy. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Come no on. Final Dave. questions from me. Joe is, Joe is spot. It's, it's obvious why you've been successful in coaching from today's interview and, to all the major league front offices listening to this, I know you're very happy with your job right now and you'll continue to do it well, but you're listening to a future skipper in major league baseball sooner than later. So thanks for gracing us with your presence on the show. You've got big supporters here now uh, to our 9,000 faithful listeners. Again, 46 countries, make sure you, you download, listen, like, and subscribe to Joe Frazero's man on second uh, brought to you by real voices of the game production. You can follow both entities on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Make sure you do. And also, if you've appreciated the good work Joe's done and you want to continue to see him give you uh, content and build better baseball IQs, visit him on Praytheon.com. And don't, don't be afraid to, to toss in a little donation to, to Joe's podcast here. Um, we appreciate everything. Again, I remind you guys, download, 
listen, like, and subscribe. It means a lot to our numbers and to the digital world out there. That seems to be the way of the world right now. So uh, Joe Spada, thanks so much. Joe Frazero, great job as usual. And we are, are we signing off, Joe? It's a man on second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Dave, again, Joe, appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you up there. And Dave, uh, we are out of here. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Joe.